So look, I'm really excited about talking about what I'm going to share today, which is about how to design a Sabbath rest. We've been talking about a series called The Rhythms of Rest, and we're coming into land pretty soon with it. And we've been talking about how to rest deeply in an age of anxiety. And look, many of us struggle with busyness and we struggle with overwork, uh, with feeling frantic in our culture generally. And um, look, our struggle uh, is a cultural struggle, I think, because our culture is pretty stressed and restless and anxious. And because of that, we get shaped by our environment, which we've talked about. And because we've been shaped by our environment, we get into this unhealthy kind of drivenness where there's anxiety and overwork, achievement, attainment. Um, But as apprentices of Jesus, as we've been exploring, uh, we have a different promise. And Jesus promises us that we can be people who experience a different type of rest in a culture which has this ambient anxiety. And that's a really beautiful promise of Jesus. So Jesus says that if we come to him and walk in his ways, he will take our burdens from us and allow us to rest in him as we come to him as a person and then walk in his patterns of rest. So he says this uh, from Matthew 11, which is in the Gospels. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is the scripture that we've been exploring when we look at what it means to have a rhythm of rest in our life. And you know, my heart, I suppose, is, is wouldn't it be amazing if we, as a newly forming church community, and that's, that's who we are, we've only been around for a short amount of time, if, what if we, as a community, could form around the values and the practices of rest? A bit like what Amy talked about. You know, what if, what if people looked in at us and said, wow, like, there's something about this community that looks different from my workplace, from my neighbourhood, from what I see around me, that there's this peacefulness and a quiet and a stillness that is different. Not that we don't achieve stuff or bless people or do things, but that in some, somehow there's a heartbeat of rest behind it. And I, I feel like that would impact both us and it would impact others. So my heart, really, as I speak about Sabbath, is not that I'm that interested in this, you know, us doing this religious thing called Sabbath, but I'm, I'm passionate about us becoming a community of rest. And I think that's worth us um, celebrating, and that's what we're talking about. So we've been talking about Sabbath. This is, uh, oh, there's a, we, we've been talking about Sabbath. Hmm, lost a slide, never mind. And um, we've been looking at the command of Sabbath. We've looked at the freedom of Sabbath. We've looked at the library of Scripture, and we've unpacked what does it mean to uh, have a theology of Sabbath from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, so Sabbath, for those who are unfamiliar with the term, it's, it's simply an intentional day of rest. So 24 hours, once a week, where we love God, we love one another, and it replenishes our soul. And on Sabbath, one of the things I love is that we don't do more, we do less. I love it. An intentional time of doing less which is just beautiful that God commands and he gives us freedom to live it out in his way. And I think this is really radical. So last week I read a book by Walter Brueggemann uh, and look, he's got some beautiful stuff on Sabbath. Sabbath as Resistance is the book and he writes this. On the Sabbath, 
You do not have to do more. You do not have to sell more. You do not have to control more. You do not have to know more. You do not have to take your kids to soccer and ballet. You do not have to be younger or more beautiful. You don't, do not have to score more. And essentially what he's saying is, on Sabbath, we can simply be human, loved by God, just as we are. And God doesn't put anything on our shoulders. And I think that is something really beautiful and really rare and worth celebrating. So that's my heart for this. And then he continues and he says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. So, about 10 years ago, I was exploring the idea of Sabbath. Oh, these slides are all wrong. All right, there we are. I was exploring the idea of Sabbath. And I was exploring it for the very first time. I was basically really stressed and busy and worried and anxious and doing all the frantic stuff that comes with being well, a professional, a person, a, just a person in this world. And I had a sense that Sabbath might be part of the solution I was looking for. And I actually didn't know anyone, anyone from my past who practiced Sabbath. But I read it in the scriptures and I think the Spirit of God put a hunger in me to know more about what this thing was about. And so I asked lots of questions, I didn't get many answers and I knew that Sabbath was a weekly day of rest but I had no idea how to actually rest in person. Uh, you know, how does Sabbath work was essentially my question. Um, how does it work for my personality type? How does it work for weekend commitments? How does it work with family, with all the different things we have around us? Uh, I had lots of how questions, not so much why questions. And I asked around and I didn't get many answers. I chatted with a really good friend of mine who uh, goes to a Seventh-day Adventist church and I learned that Sabbath has to be on a Saturday. But he couldn't tell me anything except for that. Uh, and I chatted with my Reformed Church friends and they told me some beautiful rhythms about church on a Sunday and that guided me in the direction but I still had lots and lots of questions. Um, I read lots of books from Jewish authors to Christian authors, I listened to lots of podcasts, I listened to lots of uh, productivity stuff because more and more Sabbath is coming into the productivity literature from a secular perspective which is really interesting. And, um, and I look, read lots of journal articles and stuff. So at the end of the day, look, I find Sabbath to be one of the most complex, beautiful, rich, difficult, amazing things. It's one of the hardest things we can do in our culture and yet it's worth going for. And so while I certainly haven't mastered the practice of Sabbath, I love, you know, it's very generous Amy, <laughs> but um, I haven't yet mastered the practice of Sabbath in my life by any means, but... Um, I have certainly over a number of years, over a decade, learned some things about it and I want to share them tonight. Uh, what does it mean to have simple and practical strategies to plan and design in practice Sabbath rest? So not rules, but maybe best practices from centuries of learning that I've been exposed to over time. Uh, so look, what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to read much scripture because we've unpacked the theology of Sabbath already from the Library of Scriptures. And, uh, and if you missed any of that foundational stuff, then please look on our website, uh, www.togetherchurch.com.au and iTunes now and Podbean. So feel free to subscribe to Together Church on iTunes and you can listen to past talks. Okay, but here's, here's a framework I want to go through. We're going to start with two pillars of Sabbath. Two pillars are rest and remembrance. 
Okay, and I've represented these by two candles because candles for centuries have been used to initiate the Sabbath by both Jews and many types or denominations of Christians. So when we are seeking to understand how to Sabbath, I think the, you can't go past these two pillars, and they're scriptural. I mean, you see them in the fourth commandment. So rest and worship, or rest and remembrance. Uh, so simply, the, the, the starting point of Sabbath is to ask these two questions. Well, are these activities related to rest? Are these activities related to remembrance? And if they are, tick, they're in. You've got heaps of freedom to do stuff. But if they're not related to rest, they're not related to remembrance, then maybe it's worth pulling them back and eliminating some of these activities on the Sabbath. So the first pillar. Uh, the first pillar is don't work. So remember, God worked for six days and he, on the seventh he rested and he commands us to separate a time in our week and then to live according to his pattern. So he calls us, he invites us to rest. And, um, and so the first one simply means don't work. So if there are activities that cause you to produce to consume, to drive in a way that is unhealthy, that heart stuff, that actually isn't necessarily about rest, then pull them back. I've got here that Sabbath is not a day to earn more, to produce more or to be more. It's about stopping and saying, enough. So again, Walter Brueggemann. Those who participate in Sabbath break the anxiety cycle. I love that. As we participate in Sabbath, we break the anxiety cycle. They are invited to awareness that life does not consist in frantic production and consumption that reduces everyone else to a threat or a competitor. So simply rest. Pillar one. The second pillar is worship or remembrance. And what I mean by worship is spending time renewing the soul, focusing on the Spirit, worshipping Jesus, worshipping God, um, filling your soul with things that nourish you on the inside, not just on the outside. So be silent, read some poetry, walk in the bush, pray with others, sing songs to Jesus, that kind of stuff. Remember, fill yourself from the inside out. So is it rest? Is it worship? Do these things. There's so much we can do. If not, Maybe don't. That's the foundation of Sabbath. Pretty simple, yeah? Okay, so there's the practical start. But uh, on the one hand, while this is really, really simple, just don't work. On the other hand, it's really, really complex because when you actually dig deeper into what does it mean to not work, and when I say work, I just don't mean paid work. I mean, we can work and be busy on our weekends. We can, we can be frantic no matter where we are. Um, so when I say work, I, just, I mean the heartbeat of always wanting to produce and consume and do more and worry. So, so the how of this is more complex. And so this is why I'd like to introduce another framework of the five Ds. Um, so look, I, wanna, I, I suppose what I want us to do is understand not just the structure of Sabbath, but the substance of Sabbath. And so there are some clarifying questions that are really helpful. And then I'll move into this final framework. So what does it mean for me to work? And I think you also need to ask the question, therefore, what does it mean for me to rest? Because they're different questions and they're quite hard to answer. And the third question is, what does it mean for me to worship? Okay. And obviously, uh, while these are hard for us to answer as individuals, 
Sabbath is not just an individual activity. As, as Amy mentioned, it's actually about the collective as well, which makes it really complex because we're all individuals. So we also need to, to ask it from a communal lens. What does it mean for us to work? What does it mean for us to rest? What does it mean for us to worship? And of course, by us, I mean our families, our communities, our friendships. So here's, here's a framework to work out how to answer these questions, and this is what I call the five Ds. Okay, so we need a day, we need to do the dinner and the dishes, we need the do's, we need the don'ts, and we need to disconnect, which is what I'm going to spend the rest of the talk unpacking in practical detail. So, look, Sabbath to begin with, we need a day, okay? So it's a 24-hour period of time where we rest once a week. So, of course, if that's the case, you need to pick a day. I mean, I talked about this last sermon, so I'll go through this pretty quickly. Uh, I'd recommend that it's a regular, repetitive day of the week and it's consistent. So, uh, this is the same quote I spoke about last time from John Mark Comer. For the Jewish people, the Sabbath began Friday evening and continued into Saturday afternoon, but today many followers of Jesus observe the Sabbath on Sunday. There aren't any rules anchoring the Sabbath to a specific day. We each experiment to find what works best for our busy lives and schedules. Now, look, I recognise that for some of you, this may be a contentious quote. You know, if we've been around in church for a long time and we've experienced a particular tradition, then it might feel very counterintuitive or it might rub up against some deeply held beliefs if I say Sabbath could be on a Saturday or Sabbath could be on a Sunday. So I apologise if, if this is uh, frustrating for you, but I, I believe that there is enough freedom in the Scriptures to help us to Sabbath in different ways, even though God commands us to Sabbath. If you get stuck, like I'm not going to go through an exegesis of what day we should use and where we should go and, and there's a lot of stuff on that but I just think um, if, you, if you'd like to look at this more and um, I mean if you hold a day personally I would say that hold that day and God bless you, you know, if you really believe that Sabbath must be on a Sunday for Christians then I bless that and do Sabbath on a Sunday um, but maybe give a bit of grace for those who need to look at it slightly differently and I think um, it's worth reading Colossians chapter 2 and I think you'll find some stuff about the flexibility of Sabbath, but I won't go into that here. So once you've chosen a day, then there are a number of different rhythms to consider. So we talked about this last time. The traditional Sabbath starts Friday night and goes into Saturday afternoon, and it traditionally ends 20 minutes before sundown, and it was kept by the Jewish people and many Christians as well. So there's something special about starting on a Saturday night. I think it's, it's a really good thing to kind of break the schema of work on a Saturday or on an evening and then enter in a whole day of rest. I found it much harder to wake up in the morning completely half asleep and then, and then trigger that as a special day and the sleeping in's good but apart from that, I don't know, there's something about the night which really works for me and it's obviously worked for many, many, many thousands of people which is, which is one of the reasons I think why Sabbath looks like this. Uh, the next one is the Sunday Sabbath. So Sunday is, is the most common day for Christians to Sabbath and it's called the Lord's Day in the Scriptures and uh, so if you work all, week, you know, all weekend and, um, and you find that... Well, anyway, so Sunday can be a fantastic day to rest and it's fantastic because we meet together as a collective, we worship together 
and um, it allows us to rest as a community on the same day, which is really important. Uh, the next one is what I've called the Together Church Sabbath. And may, maybe that's just because I struggle to find any other way to do it together. So what I like about, you know, what if we were to just, we always make stuff up here. So what if, I was, what if we were to um, start Sabbath on Saturday evening for the majority of us, and then, you know, you have your rhythms, you have your rituals, you have your quiet time in the morning, you have time with family or friends throughout the day, and then you finish with a service or with a little church in the afternoon, something like that. So there's a few ways in which we might consider what it could look like. I just think that could be fun. But the key is, what day will you choose for a Sabbath rest? Then we move to the next D. Dinner and dishes. Now, I've got to admit that really the second D is a P because it's about the preparation for Sabbath. But I looked for ages in you know, like Google synonyms and I just couldn't find any decent D. But dishes and dinner, that'll do, all right? Oh, there's a third D. Um, dishes and dinner will be fine, all right? And the reason is because essentially preparation is about dishes and dinner and being dirtless is the other one I thought of, even though I'm not really sure dirtless is actually a word, but it did come up. Is it? Duties, maybe that's... Oh, if you can find another one, give it to me and we'll add it up to the framework. So look, Rabbi Abraham Heschel, in his seminal book, the, the Sabbath, he recounts his memories of preparing for Sabbath and he says that preparation for a holy day, my father often said, was as important as the day itself. And so what he's really saying is, that the preparation is what allows us to deeply and fully rest. And so the more you prepare and the more fully you're able to prepare, the, the better you are able to just simply stop and make this a special day, a break in the everyday pattern and routine. So, um, yeah, so Sabbath prep is important and it's about intentionally ra wrapping up the week and entering into a mindset of rest, which is where I think many of us struggle. So for fun... I have placed a number of objects around the seats and under the seats. So why don't you have a look now? Uh, I think someone has a chainsaw under their seat and I'm sure you probably would have seen that already. I'm sorry if you don't have something, but there are a few objects around. So as we go through the rest of this kind of talk... Yeah, I'm sorry, Amy, you got the stinky shoes. Um, so as, as we go through the rest of this talk... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mary... Don't actually start vacuuming, it actually works. So, so, so as we go through the rest of this sermon, what I would like to do is, as I mention an object related to the five Ds, I would like you to hold it up with pride just to help us. Okay, so to start with, I need a dinner plate. Ah, there we are. I need a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I love electric vacuum cleaners. And I need a tea towel. Oh, excellent. All right, thank you. So, um, look, sa our Sabbath personally is from Friday evening to Saturday, as I said. And look, it's a purely practical thing. I'm, I'm in, I work as a pastor on a Sunday. This is my job. So, therefore, I need to find a different day. Uh, so, I come home early on a Friday night, dive into frantic activity. I vacuum the house. Uh, we prepare for Sabbath, Kylie and the kids. Um, actually, Gabby came on Friday night the other night and he was expecting it to be frantic, but we just finished beforehand and Kylie did more work than me, so thank you very much, but you're testing me. Um, so look, I clean the... Um, we do the dishes, we basically just reset the house and the kids are involved in it as well, and then we simply stop and pause and we have a time to rest. 
Uh, so we'll look, what I would like to just mention briefly is that different people have a different tolerance for cleanliness and for preparation, and I'm sure you know that. Okay, maybe one person's clean is another person's nightmare. And uh, so, look, there's no kind of gold standard of what your house has to look like, of course, but you need to feel like you can simply stop and pause and rest and leave stuff for the next 24 hours. Um, well, there are personality types that, that thrive on order and planning. You know, they love to-do lists, they love ticking things off, they love calendars, they find it hard to stop and rest until all their work is done. Don't know who that would be. But there are other people who are more spontaneous, they are more flexible, they like to keep their options open, um, they are happy to play even if the work isn't finished. And I can see you're all looking at each other if you've got partners in the room. <laughs> so look, the reality is that I find it hard to stop on a weekend if it's not clean. Kylie loves the house being clean, but she's more flexible when it comes to just being a bit more adaptive if things aren't perfect and she can go with the flow. I'm not saying she's messy, that's probably me that's worse. But if you have a family member like me, even if you're the relaxed, flexible type, I would say honour everyone in the house by preparing together so that everyone can rest at the same time. Just understand how you function as a family. Okay, so who has some candles? Or a candle? Ah, oh, no one here. There you are. Should have got someone sitting on the front seat. Um, so that once you have prepared, you need to obviously initiate and start the Sabbath. And the more you ritualize this, the easier it is to switch your mind from work and activity and achievement into peace and rest and relationship. So look, what you want to do is create a holy moment. Uh, and I'm not saying we make it holy, but we, we put our mind in a place where God can make it holy. And so we want a clear break in the pattern of life to enable us to kick-start Sabbath rest. So after dinner, this is what Kai and I do, we sit and we light two candles with our family, we pour some wine, which we drink later on, and we... Oh, we have some wine! Did you, did you bring that yourself? Or? No, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> we bring some wine and, and we start the Sabbath. So, look, we ask our children two questions. We say, why do we light these two candles? And the kids say, for rest and remembrance. And then we say, well, why do we rest? And the kids say, because God worked and created the world for six days and on the seventh he rested. And so should we. And then we say, well, why do we remember? And they say, well, because we remember that Jesus died on the cross and he gave his life for us and so that we can be free, we can have rest. So it's a very simple ritual. We've been doing it for years now. Uh, and it's beautiful. And it, the kids really love it. And it's meaningful. You know, I mean, sometimes, I've got to say, this is not a perfect family, okay? I'm not painting a perfect family. Sometimes this is what it looks like when the kids are in a silly mood. You know, we light two candles. What are these two candles for? Rest and remembrance. <laughs> oh, why do we rest? Because you all work too hard, don't you? <laughs> Why do we remember? Well, we remember that Caleb's got a smelly bum. You know, like, you know, so it's not always perfect, but at the same time, you know, what I love is that it has become our family kind of history. And, you know, I went away for a conference a few weeks ago and I had to be away Saturday, I had to try, travel back. And what was great is that Kai had just forgotten that Sabbath starts now, she's just doing all the stuff for the kids and the kids were like, Mum, let's, let's light the candle, it's time for Sabbath. So, you know, it's beautiful, it does stick and it does, 
it does pass on over time and that's really beautiful. So we often sit in silence when we light the candles and we just look and focus for a minute in silence, which the kids are learning to do. And <laughs> a minute broken up with Jethro's Be Quiet in between. And uh, we drink wine, we sometimes break bread, we pray a blessing on our kids sometimes, sometimes we'll read some scripture. A lot of people read from the Psalms, they'll sing songs. There's lots of ways you can trigger this ritual to make sure we enter into rest. But the aim is to make it memorable, to make it something that breaks the schema of everyday life. And then we go to bed early. Sleep is really important for Sabbath because it's about resting. And so we need to sleep. And so we honor sleep and we make it the time, we make Sabbath the time where we feel more refreshed than we do for the rest of the week. Uh, so it's simple. It's really beautiful. So I'd like to light two candles before we move on to the do's and the don'ts. And we'll just look, just for, just for a bit. So why do we have two candles? Rest and remembrance. And why do we rest? Anyone? Yeah, and we can too. And why do we remember? What do we remember? Yeah. Jesus. Simple. And we start Sabbath. Okay? Great. So, let's move to the next one. Do's and don'ts. We're going to tackle these together. So, in a secular culture that does not Sabbath, we need some structure. And we talked about that last time. We need healthy, life-giving rules to help us stop and be. So, these rules, they're not religion. They provide enough structure to create freedom and life without becoming law. And to do this, we need to define what is rest, but we also need to define what is not work. And this is tough. Defining not work is actually harder than you think. And so this is why we look at two foundational questions. What is work for me? What is rest for me? Simple questions, but they're hard to answer. What is work for me? So that is basically what, is, um, what does it mean to therefore not work? And what is rest for me? So therefore, how do I rest fully and deeply and richly? So look, I'm a business owner. I'm a pastor. Kylie is a nurse. She works as a pastor too. So for us, that's our work. Pretty simple in many ways. Uh, so on the one hand, that's easy. You know, don't run a business. Don't be a nurse. Don't do pastor stuff on your Sabbath. Okay, and you can all apply it in whatever context you have um, but it's more complicated than that because I can work from home and I can replicate the habits and patterns and behaviours of my work anywhere when I pull out my phone. Uh, and many of you have the same challenges as well. So this question, these questions, while they're simple, they're not as simple to answer as you may think. You follow? So in the Bible, it was a bit easier, I think. In, in scriptural times, people were in an agrarian society and almost all work was manual. It was manual labour, it was physical labour. You were out in the fields farming, you were doing food and production. So to rest, there was a bit more of a consistency in terms of what it meant to not work. But nowadays, all of us have different roles in different jobs, um, different activities, paid or unpaid. But our work, what it means for us to be active, is quite different. 
Okay? And so, look, imagine, for example, that you are a professional gardener. So every day is physically active. Uh, you mow lawns, you trim hedges, you pull out weeds. It's my understanding of what a gardener does. <laughs> Forgive me if there's more. Um, so, look, it's mostly outdoor stuff, and you're exposed to the elements, like today. Um, look, you're rarely in the office, you're hardly in front of a screen in a, in a, in a traditional job. So what does not working look, look like for you if you garden five days a week? Well, to begin with, what shouldn't you do on the weekend? Garden. Pretty simple, right? But it's probably a little bit more than this. You know, you may want to avoid activities that require being outdoors and extending yourself with physical activity because it looks and feels very much like your work. Um, manual jobs, physical jobs. So, and rest for you is probably sedentary, isn't it? And it's possibly even indoors by the fire, eating in a cafe, reading a book, watching a movie, basically doing things that look and feel different from your everyday work because you want to break the pattern in order to rest and create a holy space. You follow? Okay, so then let's imagine now you're an IT manager. Okay, so you have a small team, you work in an office. Monday to Fridays, you're mostly on a computer all day, email spreadsheets going to and from meetings, uh, heaps of time spent indoors, heaps of time spent in meetings, it's a very sedentary job, you don't exercise very much. You multitask throughout the week, you're constantly on a computer, you're constantly attached to your phone on a screen. It's a very different job, isn't it? Work looks really different. So what does not working look like for you in this situation? It's a bit different, isn't it? You might want to garden, hey? You might want to get out, pull some weeds and do some gardening and that is what it means to rest, to not work, if this is your job. You may want to get active, you may want to be more mobile. Does that make sense? Uh, you may want to rethink the way you connect with your phone and your digital technologies, your screens, your laptops, your internet. You may want to disconnect and give your mind a break from the habits of scanning and swiping and communicating using online media because that is what you do for work. So you can see it's a bit of a different question. And, um, and so both... both um, a gardener and the IT manager. For one person, gardening is uh, work and it's a don't. For the other person, gardening is rest and it's a do. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and both are faithful if they do those activities and both are keeping Sabbath. So my point is this. When you ask the question, what is work and what is rest, you need to consider both physical activities and mental habits or patterns of behaviour that represent work in your context. So what physical activities look and feel like work for you? For me, it's typing, swiping, communicating online, running meetings, planning, goal-setting, coaching. That's all work. So I try not to do that on Sabbath. Uh, for other people, it will be different. You know, so I'm a knowledge worker, and so that means a lot of my work is here. I'm paid to think and communicate, and that's actually my job. And so because of that, I try to avoid activities that trigger the mindset of functioning in a work-like way. Yeah? Okay, so I avoid screens, I avoid having challenging conversations. We actually say, no, we're not, not going to talk about that hard thing, whether it about, be about global politics or just something nearby, because it's Sabbath. Um, we avoid planning, we avoid some types of reading that draw my mind into a work mode. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's different. And look, if you're a mum, that's another completely different type of complexity, isn't it? I mean, you can't exactly say, well, it's Sabbath. No changing nappies, no breath feeding for you. I'll see you in 24 hours. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could, but you know, being a mum or a stay-at-home you know, dad, I mean, it's, it's tough, but that is your work as well. Absolutely, that is your work. And so, look, all I can say is be kind to yourself. It is hard to rest at particular ages and stages. We do our best. I mean, you mentioned the aims. And the other one is, look, it, you start by defining what work looks like for you, and therefore, it'll give you some clues to navigate how to rest. So, look, two more things I want to talk about in terms of the do's and don'ts. The first one is, uh, is about personality type, because when we're trying to define work and rest, have a quick look at your personality type, because it will help you. Um, we are all wired in different ways, and therefore we all rest in slightly different ways. So, I would say, let's look at being an introvert and an extrovert, and active and passive. I'll, I'll go through this pretty quickly. So, in terms of the introverts and extroverts, I'm sure you've heard of these terms. Some of us... Um, recharge by spending time alone, so introverts, some recharge by being with others and needing that stimulation with people, they're the extroverts. 50% of us are introverts, according to research, 50% are extroverts. So I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert, sorry, Kylie, yeah, I tested you. I'm introvert, yeah, people, my friends know me well. I'm an introvert, Kylie's an extrovert, and, uh, but we, we both enjoy spending time with people, but, and we enjoy spending time alone but what recharges us and energises us is a little different. So when I go to a party, I go home feeling exhausted, even though I love being out and socialising, uh, and Kylie feels recharged. When I spend a day alone on a mountain, I love it, Kylie needs caffeine. So <laughs> we're just different. And so therefore, when you ask the question, what is rest for me, you need to look at your personality type and work out what is actually restful. Uh, so, you know, again, I love bushwalking alone, reading alone, writing alone, you'll get the point. But I do love you, I promise. <laughs> and, uh, and Carly's energised by coffees, riding a bike with others, socialising, etc. So, so obviously this can create some practical tension and difficulty as we navigate resting together as a family, right? And then our kids, obviously, that plays into it as well. So once you identify your pattern, then be creative in how you serve each other in your personality type. That's my point. Okay, work out what rest actually means for you and then work out how you can rest together. So for us, we'll do stuff together as a family. We're social, we enjoy each other's company. Um, we try not to fill our lives with lots of people, but we do socialise, and it's beautiful. And then I go off, and I go for a walk by myself. <laughs> or I do activities that energise me. Yeah? And then we'll connect again. So we, we just find a rhythm. And Kyle will have a coffee by herself. We'll have a coffee with friends. So you can work out how to bless each other in Sabbath uh, if you understand how you're wired. So quick question. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? What about others in your family? And how will you navigate this dynamic? Just pause for one minute, just in reflection. Okay, the second paradigm to consider before we finish in our do's and our don'ts is are you active or inactive in the way you prefer to rest? And there's a difference. So some people love to rest by being inactive, doing nothing, just sitting on the couch, being still. You know, they love drinking coffee, reading books, mooching in front of the fire for hours and hours on end and they'll say, that was so refreshing, it was amazing, and they love it. And there are other people like me who would just, after an hour, would be like, I just have to do something. 
because they get energized by activity and physical exertion and movement and doing things that are a bit different. Uh, in the words of productivity blogger Alex Su Junk Kim Pang, I had to practice that, physical activity is more restful than we expect and mental rest is more active than we realise. He's basically saying that sometimes physicality can be restful and sometimes mental rest requires more practice in order to rest than we think. And I think he's right. So because of the nature of my work, again, which is largely sedentary, I, um, I love being active on the Sabbath. So when I say active, I don't mean busy and frantic and I don't mean productive and there's actually a really big difference but active. So I love walking, I love gardening, I love riding my bike, I love swimming, I love chainsawing. Uh, <laughs> I just love it. It just rests me. It's weird. Activities that basically help me to enjoy fresh air and to get out and just to do stuff. Um, and that makes me feel free on Sabbath. So um, I suppose if you're someone who has always thought I should rest, but I like doing stuff, then I bless you. And it's okay to be active. The only war the word of warning I would say is don't use this as an excuse to produce and achieve because there's a difference. And what I mean by that is like, for example, don't train for a marathon on Sabbath. Don't work your body at the gym to try to achieve a better body image because Sabbath is a day to stop. Yeah? So if you want to go for a walk because you just love a bit of activity and it helps you connect with God and helps you feel free then I believe that that's Sabbath. But if you're walking in order to achieve something, tick off your you know, Strava account, get your 10,000 steps, then I think it starts to move out of the realm of rest and into the world of achievement and attainment. And I know it's a fine line, but I believe that there's a heart in it. You follow? Yeah. And so, um, so simply look at the heart, and if you're not producing, if you're not consuming, if you're not achieving on Sabbath and enjoy your body. And it's fabulous. So very practically, um, this is what I suggest you do in order to define your do's and your don'ts. Write down a list of activities that look and feel like work, so they're your don'ts, and a list of activities that look and feel like rest, and they're your do's. Do it individually. If you've got a partner, if you're married, then do it together after that. If you have older kids and teenagers, I actually think it might be worth doing that with them as well so you can rest as a family. And then you combine this as a list which becomes your Sabbath framework, your rules of do's and don'ts, which can be really helpful. Okay? And so here is our combined list from last year. It might be slightly different now because Kylie's work's changed, but this is what we came up with and we've been using this for a while. So for me, email is the number one killer for rest. <laughs> do not look at Gmail. Um, Scanning the internet is another one. So these are things not to do. Cleaning and most housework for Kylie because she does it all the time. Cooking, especially dinner for Kai. Ticking off tasks from any to-do list is me. Uh, Facebook and phone games for Kai. Must do house jobs or fixing projects. Reading, so some work-related books. Definitely not for me. Busy social engagements or ministry interactions. Um, we've had people come up and say, I really want to chat, and I'll say, sorry, I can't because it's my Sabbath, but I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> and obviously, you know, if someone's truly in a crisis, I'll be a bit sensitive, but it, you know, it's important to guard our spaces um, in ministry. Uh, so hard conversations about difficult issues, overly violent or explicit movies. I mean, I love some really violent stuff, but 
it doesn't feel like Sabbath, so we don't do it on Friday or Saturday night. And then um, supermarket or consumer-driven shopping. So it's just a list. So hopefully that helps, yeah? So we try not to do that. And there are a few maybes, so, you know, ooh, email shouldn't be there. I don't know why that came up. So don't do email. So phone calls to family and friends if I'm in the mood. If it feels like work, I don't do it, but don't tell them that. Um, dishes and general tidy-up. Uh, I actually... I really enjoy just tinkering around the kitchen and cleaning up stuff. I actually don't do it for my job. So as long as I don't have to do it, I actually feel sometimes it's okay. And it feels like it's a God-honouring thing. So I do. Um, and then select fun purchases, you know, buying takeaway food or hiring movies as opposed to consumer shopping. And then remembrance. So what does it mean to... Oh, what does it mean to rest? I don't know. Uh, so we read... We, do, we have lots of fun foods, lots of sweets, uh, desserts, uh, coffee with friends, um, family outings, pool, walk, beach, soccer, bike ride, movies. Our family love that stuff. We love board games. We love socialising with certain friends. <laughs> low effort. If I see you on a Saturday, you're my low effort friend. <laughs> um, gardening. Oh, that's terrible. Gardening. I should, have, I should have checked that before I put it up on the slide. Gardening. Uh, Kylie loves gardening, chainsawing for me, uh, sewing, playing music, outdoor fires, you know, sleeping in early nights. You get the idea, okay? So we know what rests us, and then remembrance. So praying individually and with others, journaling, reading scripture, um, reading life-enriching books, silence, listening to and playing worship music, enjoyable exercise, mountain bike riding, walking gym, all that kind of stuff. So it gives us a sense of what what helps us do both. So we have a bit of those type of activities and it's quite beautiful. All right, so, uh, so we've looked at the day, we've looked at the dinner dishes, do's and don'ts. And now I just want to look... Oh, actually, who's got a chainsaw? All right! <laughs> Don't turn on like Mary did with hers. Uh, who, what else do we have? Who's got a bike helmet? Yep, thank you, Gabby. Uh, we have some running shoes. Sorry, they're not clean. Uh, we have a book, we have some chocolate, brilliant. So there's lots of fun things. Oh, we have board games, thank you. There's lots of fun things we can do on Sabbath. All right, so the last one is disconnect. Now, who has the phone? Who has a mobile phone? Oh, I didn't have to plant one because you had plenty in the crowd. Who would have thought? All right. <laughs> so we all have phones. And um, I didn't have to put it on the seat. So look, simply put, best practice when it comes to Sabbath, from everything I read and everything I hear globally is to turn off your phone. So to disconnect for 24 hours from digital technology once a week to truly and deeply rest. Now I know there's many reasons for this and it's a challenge for many of us, but there are some sensible healthy habits to help get us started. So again, practically I turn off my phone on a Friday night uh, after dinner, I close down my laptop, I put it away for 24 hours. Um, look, I'm consistent with this practice. I wouldn't say I'm religious, and I think there's a difference. So some days in the morning, pretty often actually in the morning, I'll check it to see if someone's texted, or if I'm meeting someone social in the afternoon, then I'll keep it on, and I'll check it maybe every few hours just to see if a text has come from that person because it's about the Sabbath rhythm of connecting with people. So, you know, I, there's a bit of flexibility. Um, but what I don't do is, well, I try to avoid the temptation of opening up my email, scanning Google News, doing all the things that I just habitually want to do, and I start going, oh, I need my phone, I need my phone. Okay, Sabbath, just let it go. <laughs> so it takes a bit of practice. 
Um, so look, if we're going walking or bushwalking or socialising, I'll sometimes put it on me, but I'll have it turned off just in case I need it. So that, you know, I don't completely disconnect myself in that sense, but, um, but my aim is to turn off my devices, to keep them off once a week, and to allow my brain to slow down, unwind, disconnect, and therefore enter into a different rhythm of life. Okay? So now I know that digital technology and our relationship with digital technology is such a complex issue and so foundational and so difficult that I will tackle it uh, in a month when we wrap up this series on rest in the digital age. And if you think this is a completely crazy idea, then you get a free pass not to do anything related to technology until then, uh, and then I'll challenge you then. How's that sound? But if you want to give it a go and start turning off your phone or rethinking your relationship with your phone on Sabbath, then I'd encourage you to do it. So, um, look, so what is the next step for you? How do you design a weekly Sabbath rest? How do you practice it? In the words um, of, there's a beautiful article that uh, bring back the Sabbath from the New York Times, and it was by a Jewish lady called Judith Shulovitz. And, and in her writings, she writes this, The Sabbath is not only an idea, it is something you keep with other people, you can't just extract lessons from it. So what she's saying is it's not an idea, it is not a theology. The Sabbath is not a concept. It's a practice. And we only learn it if we keep it. You follow? I love it. It's a spiritual discipline, it's a habit. And it's something that we will practice for a lifetime in order to develop our relationship with the Father. So, um, so it's a rhythm that we create in our life and, um, and it helps us. So what, I've, what I'd suggest is there's a bit of thinking and planning. I've given you tons of information and I, I knew this would be a long talk, so I hope it's been okay. But I've given you a handout. Now, does everyone have a handout to help you plan Sabbath? If you haven't, look, there's a five-page or four-page handout. And, and so what I'd suggest, the only thing I want you to commit to tonight is when you'll do the handout, when you'll plan and design your Sabbath rest. So I reckon you need one to one and a half hours to do this, okay? To, to go through the information and really think about it deeply. So at the very first question at the top of the handout is when and where will you do your Sabbath planning? When will you have your one and a half hours to plan a day, the dishes, the do's and don'ts, and you'll disconnect? There are also at the end in the appendix some ideas from Bridgetown Church about age and stage because I realise that it's really different doing Sabbath if you're single versus if you've got young kids versus if you've got older kids versus if you're an empty nester. There's a whole lot of different ways to do Sabbath and so there are some really great ideas from John Mark Comer at the back which can guide you and I didn't want to go through all that tonight. But um, let's just have one minute of silence before I move into communion and I simply want you to answer the question when... Will you plan your Sabbath rest? See if you can commit to a time. Be specific, you know, Saturday from 4 to 5.30, Sunday after lunch, we're going to sit down, have a coffee and do our Sabbath planning. Um, obviously, you don't have to do this. This is an invitation. But if, uh, if you feel that you're compelled by the Spirit of God, not by my words, but if you feel this is something you want to keep and if you feel convicted to grow in your relationship with God through Sabbath, then, yeah, just write something down and then we'll finish up.